Welcome to Neighborly. Listener. House number 20, Little Street. It is incredibly awkward to be showering early in the morning with the window open and hear your neighbors' voices float up to replace the steam from where they're chatting in their gardens outside. You wouldn't think it'd be all that awkward, but as he scraped dandruff off his scalp through his lathered hair, all Anthony could think about was having them look up into his bathroom and see him clearly above them, a vision dressed in nothing but water vapor. The window was frosted and only open a crack, but he was hyper-aware of how thin the veil of privacy falls. He knew what it was like to know too much, and to be known in return was something he could hardly bear to contemplate. I don't think I'm going to like the story. Regardless, Anthony patted himself dry and dressed, appreciating the freshness of clean clothes and doing his level best not to listen, and for the most part, succeeding. Ah, good. He definitely hasn't noticed yet. When he does, this is going to get... interesting. Anthony's kitchen island had a full basket of laundry he had forgotten to hang up the previous night. Since he was well-practiced in ignoring things, it was easy for him to pretend the mess wasn't there, and instead contemplate, or rather, stare blankly at, the wallpaper, which had a pattern surprisingly elaborate and beguiling for the home of a single graduate, while he poured himself a bowl of cereal and flicked on the radio, unable to endure the silence. Silence. That's the thing, isn't it? Silence doesn't exist. You can stand stock still and hold your breath, Stop the clock so there's no ticking to measure the moment. Turn off the power to your home so the hum can't get you. And there will still be noise. A fly's heartbeat. Your eyelashes rustling off each other. These things are quiet, yes. So quiet, no instrument will detect them. And yet quiet is not silence. There is noise. There is always noise. This is painfully more true for Anthony than for most. Ah. Something about that last part stopped him in his tracks. He paused, the spoon of cereal midway to his mouth, to listen. At last, realization has dawned that this story is about him. (sighs) Calm- no. Calm down. Calm down, okay? Yes, yes, I know, yes, it's all real. No, I'm not in your house, no. No, I'm... Stop asking such personal questions! Anthony was still looking around the room, wondering how I could know that's what he was doing. There were no devices in the room with cameras on them, so how could I possibly... Or was it possibly the radio? Could it be bugged? He grabbed the thing and shut it off and started shaking it wildly. What's that going to do? 
There's no... I'm not a government agent, Anthony. No, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a space alien. Get a grip, man. He looked up at his ceiling, where, incidentally, he would not find me. Please, please, if you could just stop, just for a moment, just stop saying what I'm saying, please, just stop for a moment, let me think, I can't think, you keep talking, please, please stop. He backed up against the wall and fell down to sit. His hoodie was hitched up by the eager grooves of the wallpaper and he did not adjust it, as comfort had fled the place regardless. His breaths huffed heavily and roughly, like the boxes he imagined running out of the house and into a moving van with, not for the first time since he first began to listen. But where could he go, really? And would it even help? He heard my voice while he was out on the street, while he was shopping, while he was in the jacks at the pub. Everywhere he went, it was there. He had scanned the faces of everyone he passed when it happened, wondering if the story currently being told was about them. He knew the last one was about his neighbour, Sam. And he was saddened to hear about what had happened to the kid that used to live with her, but a part of him didn't really want to know if it was a true story at all. And whether it was or it wasn't, there wasn't much he could do about it. He didn't really trust doctors, which was, he was now realising, a bit of a theme among his neighbours. But he didn't have a valid reason like medical trauma. Just garden variety, I don't want to be called crazy. Which, in my opinion, is also valid. Especially because I am not a hallucination, not by any stretch of the word. I am the narrator. I am telling stories. Stories he should not be able to hear, and certainly doesn't want to. <sighs> Look, what did you do before, while I was telling the other stories? How did you carry on then? You must have done something. I don't know! I don't know! I just tried to ignore them, but that can't work because- Right, right. Because this story is about you. Just pretend I'm not here. I am going to tell your story, which means you have a story to tell. Just do what you were going to do today, alright? It better be interesting. Well, don't just sit there. Get up. Uh, uh, the witches. What? In house number nine? They work with, um, real magic and stuff. And, and, and like, if it's not a hallucination and you're real, then it's probably magic, so... I really don't know if that's... <sighs> but he has already gone out of his front door into the footpath, striding with frantic purpose past the houses to get to house number nine. He didn't need to see the number to know it, though he might not have found one even if he cared to check behind the gnarled and thorny bushes, plants whose species names you won't find in any mortal book. He knew it by the broad white porch, the doll-like lavender facade, and the curls and plumes of pastel smoke that seemed to beckon him towards it. And it knew him. The door opened as he brought his fist to it, shy of his knock, and opened wider as he moved to enter. Once inside, he was almost concussed by a thick bottle, the very glass flushed with drunkenness. The smell of peat fire and cloying alcohol did not miss, and hit him square in the face with more force than the bottle would have. Look out! came the belated and unrepentant warning. A wizened old head poked into view, which he supposed belonged to Cordelia. Who's that at the door? Someone. Didn't you let him in? Asked the first witch, the one who had almost concussed him with the wine bottle, who he knew by her curls as Calliope. I may have. What's he after? She appeared disinterested, stirring a great big pot and contemplating it with a solemnity that made Anthony feel trifling by comparison. 
Ask him. Anthony swallowed. He searched his mind for a way to explain. I have a problem. Don't we all? She didn't seem to care. I can hear a voice, he tried again. I really would hope you'd hear at least one since we're speaking to you, said the third witch, certainly Celeste, who hadn't cared to turn to look at him once since he came in. I mean, a, a different voice, a storyteller. I don't know how to explain it. He's been there in my head for weeks, telling stories about horrible things and people, sometimes people I know. Please, have you ever heard anything like this? A pause in which Calliope brought a spoon to her lips and thoughtfully sipped before replying. Yes. He's... Well, he's a bit of a dick, isn't he? <sighs> okay, alright. Anthony agreed, they all agree. Yep, cool, right. They're not all bad. The stories, some of them are... <sighs> Look, right, whatever. This is fine. What can I do? His question sat between them like a spurtling begging for water. Oh, just pay attention to your ears, Cordelia offered. He blinked. My ears? Yes, your ears. You know, these things. She yanked his left ear sharply, ignoring his yell of protest. Pay attention to them. They're important. They're clever little things, too clever for their own good, hearing what they oughtn't. You'd better make sure they don't wander off where they're not supposed to. Pay close attention to them. Anthony reached up and touched the ear she let go of, feeling it flush and heat from the pain. That's it? No. No. Don't forget this. Celeste, of whom he had only seen her back until right then, turned and presented him with a rose that may once have been butter yellow, but had wilted to the perfect golden brown that made the overlapping petals look like flakes of fresh pastry. Anthony took it. His eyes were so wide they might have been mouths preparing to swallow the thing. What's this for? She breathed in, preparing a no doubt cutting and pithy retort, but she was interrupted by a great black bird, the largest Anthony had ever witnessed, burying its talons into the windowsill with a crunch. The witch's faces soured and the window slammed shut, eliciting a yelp's caw and some splintered shutters. The three of them began to busy themselves, and Calliope grabbed him by the elbow and shoulder and shoved him doorwards so stoutly he very nearly toppled. Wait, he protested, attempting to catch his balance and remain in a place that might contain the dregs of answers. But she replied only with another rough shove, which Anthony tried harder to weather and remain steady, in the process flailing his arms and shoving the old woman back, sending her tumbling onto the floor. The other two heads whipped round to glare at him. There was a sharp, crystalline moment where the air was so utterly still that the candle flame stood tall to attention. And then there were two ornately carved daggers at his throat. There was no uncertainty in that message. No words needed to be spoken. The firm glisten of the blade was more than enough. He was being sent home. Well, if you wanted a miracle, you were never going to find it there. He slammed his front door. Disappointed, holding the rose to his chest to the what might protect him, he... Shut up! <sighs> We're back to being rude, then, I see. You! You! Me what? I'm just sitting here. Where are you? That's a rather personal question. And besides, weren't you told to pay attention to your ears? 
How does telling me to shut up reconcile with that advice? I, I can't. You. You. This is getting exhausting and a bit repetitive. I thought you'd have an interesting story, especially considering this is our season finale. Please be more considerate of our listeners and do something worth this prestigious position. I don't understand. Of course you don't. It is a great honor and you're squandering it. Honestly, I can't. <laughs> don't interrupt. You're very rude. I didn't think you were going to be this rude. Maybe if you were nicer, you would notice by now. Notice what? Oh. He has spotted something. Something small. Something that, if you had asked, he would not have been able to explain why, in this moment, it has caught his attention. It's the pattern of his wallpaper. It's a very old, old wallpaper. Perhaps as old as the house itself, or even older. It is one of those almost filigree, almost floral patterns. The kind of pattern that is soulmates with wallpaper and is stained by other surfaces. And Anthony looked at it. Really looked. The image it repeated dawning on him, perhaps for the very first time. For the first time, he observed that the pattern was nearly filigree nor floral. But, and he really could not quite believe it, that the more he examined it, the more it became increasingly undeniable. Many, many ears of different shapes and sizes, the curls within curls, the gentle folds of ears, some with lobes, some without, all lovingly rendered in a complex pattern that looks just like ordinary wallpaper. Despite his fear, he noticed, and at the same time he grew aware of something else. Fritz Hershey, in 1965, believed that the human ear was unique to each individual, like an iris or a fingerprint. Though he attempted to identify burglars with this method, I wholly doubt that it will ever find any broad application, even if it is true. Unlike eyes and fingers, human beings do not tend to pay attention to ears. They simply do not stick in the mind as notable. Like idle speculations of what the lives of strangers on the street might be like, the image of a person's ears tends to slip through your thoughts like water through a sieve. This tendency is why the witches in House Number 9 warned poor Anthony to pay attention to his ears. A gentle touch to the side of his head confirmed that his were no longer attached. It was like he'd been unplugged, deflated. He sat still, back against the wall, staring at the other wall, but also at the nothing you stare at when your mind goes to a place that's not quite any thought. He wasn't sure how to react. He just sat. Sat there, propped up against the wall. The wall he was resting his head on was just as interesting as the one he was looking at. Same wallpaper and everything. It's just a great wall. Lovely wall. He might want to sit up and look at it. Hint, hint. Oh, and now he's screaming. Right, okay, yeah, about what I expected. Anthony had twisted onto his knees to look back at the wall he had been sitting against. The wall behind was indeed the image of the one in front with the thin gold lines embossed onto the elegant dark teal background. It was different, however, in a rather singular way. It had two additional ears on it, though this pair was not detailed in fussy gold filigree. 
They were fleshy and downy and warm and blushed and freckled, and they were Anthony's human ears, twitching as they swallowed his own screams and sent the sound not to his brain but somewhere deep into the bowels of the house. Having heard the horror put into words, Anthony was somewhat soothed. It was relieving to him that I could see them too. The sea is a bit reductive, but... Oh, that calm hasn't lasted. Now he's... There's no need for that. No, dear listener, I don't think I will relate to you what he's saying. It's rude. And even worse, it's wholly false. Let's just wait until he gets it out of his system. I apologize for this, but I really can't relate it to you. Please bear with me. What did I do to deserve this? You... You... This is you! You did this! You're, you're doing this! Oh, God! They're, they're moving! There's, there's more of them? Oh, God! It's... Uh, oh, oh, oh! It's a whole wall! More and more! I keep on growing at it! Oh, why? Why are you doing this to me? What did I do? Please! Make it stop! Stop it! What? They can hear me! Oh God! Oh God! Please! Please make it stop! <laughs> make it stop! <laughs> God, please! Make it stop! Please! Please! That's quite enough of that. Really. If I didn't know any better, I'd think you were trying to cut out the middleman. That's very rude. Be patient. Let me tell you the rest of the story. There's not a lot left. And it isn't my fault, by the way. There's nothing I could have done. Let me assure you. It is simply that our tragic Anthony has, or had, a rather excitable pair of ears. They're like yours in that way, sneaking off like that. They listened far too much, and when the story was about them, could you really blame them? I bet you would be crawling up the walls if one day you found yourself to be the new star of your favourite podcast. I promise, promise, that it has nothing to do with me. And we've been through a lot together, so you trust me. Oh, Christ. While I've been speaking to you, he already ran out onto the road. Still holding the flower. He cut quite the romantic figure, running out and crying just as it's starting to rain, clutching a rose like it's the only thing that can save him from his misfortune. It's not, though. But it just so happens that the only thing that can save him from his misfortune was walking up the path towards him at that very moment. Agatha McInerney had the posture of someone walking in the rain and thinking very hard. Anthony didn't care where her name was familiar from, only the promise of salvation that I had just foreshadowed. He rushed towards her and almost knocked her over because, of course, she wasn't looking where she was going. She was thinking. When she did look at him, it was with a kind of intensity that he had never seen in his life. Especially not on someone who couldn't be more than twenty years old, if that. It was a scowl, but a half-hearted one. Please, you have to help me! Why? Her voice was a clear, icy finger that made his bones tense. I... He faltered, not quite able to summon the words, thoughts scattered under her glare. He looked down at the rose, as though only just realising that he was holding it, and handed it to her. This is for you. She took it. I know. 
How do you know? She brought it to her nose, but didn't sniff. He realized she didn't look as though she were breathing. It's a welcome present. Oh. Are you new around here? Something like that. What did you want help with? He clenched his hands into fists and then released them. I'm realizing that because the rain is so cold and so real that it's a long story and you might not believe me. She shrugged. Tell me anyway. A story is a story and I don't want to go where I'm going. Where are you going? Anywhere. Are you going to invite me in? And he did. And they went in together. And they were in there for a while. And he told her, well, everything I have told you today, listener. About the ears, about the witches, and, well, everything. And she sat and listened unskeptically and nodded politely. And it was exactly what he needed. And when she left the house, there was only a little bit of his blood left on her clothes. A few vivid red drops on her collar, that was all. She was getting neater. But she didn't go home. No. It's the most peculiar thing. She walked all the way down the driveway, right to the curbside and stared hard in the falling evening light across the road. She stood like that for hours. Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. Today's house was written and edited by Matthew O.K. Smith, with music by Alex Schwartz and art by Claudia Appelart. The narrator is voiced by Matthew O.K. Smith. Anthony was voiced by Tim Meredith. To find out more, visit neighborlypod.card.co or follow us on social media at neighborlypod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, we would appreciate it if you told a friend, because they might tell a friend and, well... Today's advice is throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Oh, it seems your spaghetti has taken the shape of an ear. Maybe you should buy some new spaghetti. Thanks for listening. Come back soon. And that concludes season one of Neighborly. Wow. Firstly, I would like to personally thank all of you who have listened to the show and made art and cosplays, interacted with us on social media and the Discord, and even supported us on Patreon over the past few months. The level of engagement has really blown us away. Now, don't go yet. We have a couple of things in the works to give you while we work on the next installment of the show, and one of them is a Q&A episode. There should be a link to a form where you can submit your questions in the episode description, and we'll be posting that on Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook. Our username on all of those platforms is NeighborlyPod, and for the Americans, do remember that is spelled with a U. And for all of you, remember, Little Street is by no means finished with you. It's just stretching. It's only limbering up. Stay subscribed, stay talking, and in the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon.